Welcome to special edition of the Programmatic Digest podcast. I am your host, Ellen Parker, and I'm super excited to talk to you today. I'm going to review my main takeaways about Programmatic IO in Las Vegas that happened in late May. I had the pleasure of seeing some really great friends. It was really nice um, seeing everyone back in person after seeing some of you in um, October, last October in New York. So here are three major takeaways that I'm going to talk about. And of course, if you see me looking and referencing to my fancy phone, it's because I take tweeting very seriously when I attend an event. So if you're not yet following me on Twitter, it's simply I am Helene Parker. Okay, spell it all out with all the E's and uh, and follow me so that the next event I attend, you'll be able to get live feeds, live uh, memes, live like takeaways. And I do that is because it's also my way of taking notes and having it somewhere that I know where to find, I guess, easily. So if you don't have time to listen to the next 20 minutes of the podcast, there's three things you want to remember about what happened to programmatic IO. So there is quite a, a lot of, of a great um, topics. I think the theme was programmatic ecosystem, like actionable insight of the programmatic ecosystem, which is something I'm very passionate about. Here are three ways, three maybe sub-themes that I'm going to recap almost most of the, um, the presentation I attended. So one will be CTV and measurement, two will be data clean rooms, and of course, this is a shameless plug, uh, programmatic activation, uh, which I had the pleasure, it was such an honor to present on. So I'll talk a little bit more about this and how you can access some of the content I prepared. Um, but in the meantime, let's go ahead and get into CTV. Um, so I want to give a special shout out to Shiv, Shiv Gupta. He is a managing director, uh, managing partner of uh, U of Digital. It's literally the letter U of, of I mean, O-F Digital. Okay, so look him up. He had a fantastic presentation. Like, I mean, the man is is expert at what he does, and he had quite a few interactions. So I'm taking no ship. I'm definitely gonna copy. Um, no, wait, what do we say now? Oh, I'm gonna license. <laughs> I'm gonna license some of your style because, like, it was so interactive. I literally remember most of the major point he made, and a lot of those major points were that um, you have to have an identity solution in OTT and CTV, period. And what that means is that you have to partner. You have to strategically partner with big players, but also measurement on the measurement side, because um, the IAB also said, and that was not part of the shift's presentation, but a couple months ago, the IAB, well, a couple months, it was probably more, the IAB mentioned how most of us in this industry have absolutely no idea what the F is going on. Like we don't have a lot of visibility and we're operating um, as if we were operating like a, a, with a candlelight in the dark. So if you're interested into reading that study and or research, I'm pretty sure you can Google it. Okay. It's about measurement, uh, identity, social measurement, or I'll add in my show notes on, in the newsletter. But back to Shiv's presentation. I mean, it was really great. <laughs> he described traditional TV as dumb TV. I hope I'm not going to get anybody upset, but I thought that was really, really great that he said that. <laughs> it, was, it was great. It was really, really, um, it was really great. But anyway, um, so, okay. So let me scroll here because I wanted to talk about the major point about his presentation is that um, 
Da, 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 da. Okay, so you have to have an identity solution with OTT, like period. That's something you need to work on. There is way to measure, but since the industry is still rather fragmented, you want to be careful, but also you want to continue testing and being open-minded. Um, the second thing that I think was really powerful is that even though even though we've talked about OTT for quite a few years, it's kind of still in this early stages, right? We're still discovering, there's still technologies, there's still all of those partnerships that are coming up. So we're still in this, I hate the word, but I'm gonna say it, infancy stages. So this is the perfect time to tap in and start working again with those partners or testing this, this technology or testing this, um, this strategy. Also, if you, again, if you go back to my Twitter, you'll be able to get um, lifetime access to Shiv's newsletter. I'm not going to tell you exactly the code because I can't even find it over here. Um, but yeah, go on my go on my my Twitter and then you'll see like I have a, a screenshot of knowledge is power, hashtag knowledge is power, which is giving you a lifetime access of the newsletter. And the reason why I want to give him a big shout out is because y'all, yo. That newsletter is bomb. Like when I say he recaps most of the industry trends on the weekly basis, and then um, he gives his professional opinion, and then um, and and it really helps you know uh, filter a lot of things that are happening. Oh my gosh, there's identity, there's solution, there's measurement, there's this, then there's Elon Musk, and then there's everything that's happening in 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 Texas and everything else like in our day to day lives that affect us. So. The way newsletter, this newsletter, Shiv's newsletter goes is the fact that he really hones in and recaps major points for us. And it gives us a good blurb for us to understand like this is what you need to know. If you need more information, click through and go read the article. So that was pretty great. Um, so let's talk about, I also attended um, the Trade Desk and Dish Network uh, presentation. That was really dope. And that goes back to, um, that goes back to measurement, right? Um, what did the trader says? Measurement is key. And, and that's what Russell Banker said from Dish Network during that presentation. And I thought it was really relevant, right? Because he said something like measurement is key because, wait, did I spend all my budget? Says every single traders ever. If you've worked in programmatic activation, which is one of the points I'm talking next, you should know that measurement is super important. And sometimes it is simply just making sure you have the proper tools for your team, including that software that's going to be trackable. I mean, tracking and measuring everything that's happening within that technology, whether it's a DSP, whether you're utilizing an ad server, whether you're working with somebody like um, ClickVoyant for data analytics and data analytics analytics and reporting, or whether you're working with somebody like Chalice that, to help measure and optimize on the backend. Everything, everything that you're doing right now in terms of activation is, has to be measured. And so, and I love what he said, like I thought, I thought it was really relevant. Uh, Gabe Gomez um, on Dish Network also say something like performance-driven aligning strategy, brand awareness, and testing. I feel like this is all about programmatic advertising. It's so simple, it's so complex at the same time. And um, and lastly, I'll say this about this uh, the presentation, which was basically just sponsored by the Trade Desk, talking about their client dish network and how they utilize the Trade Desk to really up, 
I'm going to use the word uplift, but it's probably the, the, you know, not the best words, but like to really uplift their strategy, their video strategy, including OTT. And so he said, uh, you know, start with your objectives, which is the most media answer ever that you can give to anybody. So, um, okay. So that was um, everything about CTV. Of course, there was more, there were way more presentation about CTVs. Of course, you can't, I couldn't attend all of them. So shout out to every single speaker that touched base on that. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to Shiv and then to Dish Network and the Trade Desk for their presentation since I was able to attend it. Also, I had the biggest headache getting into Vegas. All the flights had to be delayed. We, like it was really, really dumb. Um, but shout out to every single speaker there because I got to, <laughs> to walk in your shoes and it was a lot. All right, so let's get into the second conversation here that I wanted to, to highlight, which was, oh, I also want to give a shout out to um, one of my absolute favorite ever from, um, so I want to give a big shout out to one of my all time, okay, story time before we get back into Projo. Um, I always talk about the reason why I started the Programmatic Digest podcast. And this is not going to be a long story. So don't you dare skip because this is important and it has to go back. It's going back to Proju. <clears throat> and one of the biggest people that have, that have inspired me to be podcaster are um, Marcus Johnson from eMarketers Behind the Number podcast. And he would have a special guest. I, I feel like they're co-hosts at some point because he's guested so many times but Paul, Paul Verna. I mean, I had a chance to shake this man's hand and it was so long, okay? Um, they are all one of the reasons why I am podcasting today. Like literally when I realized that there was a serious problem in like understanding everything that was happening. I was still working for an agency. I was super overwhelmed. And I was like, yo, how can I still continue developing my skill set? Like, I really want to keep learning. Right. And I came across the podcast, um, the Behind the Numbers podcast. At that time, Marcus Johnson was the only one hosting most of the time. Now there's multiple hosts. And Paul Verna was one of those co-hosts that would always come up. And like they, their dynamic is my favorite. So Marcus Johnson, you don't want to haven't met yet now that I've met Paul <laughs> and he's super dope and he accepted to be on the podcast. So I'm bringing it into the world. Like Paul is going to be on my podcast. I don't know what the F I'm going to ask this man because I'll probably be super nervous. Not that I'm intimidated because I have so much respect and I absolutely love his, his charisma. And like I said, and I shared with him this, like, I remember a few years back, Marcus was on vacation for like a month and every single day, <laughs> daily podcast he would come Paul would like you know fill in for Marcus being on vacation and he would come every single day with a different story about why he didn't make it and it was like the craziest story like yo are you for real like oh he bought an island and disappeared on the island now he will never come back and then the next day we'll be like oh he Marcus is actually uh, related I think it was like related to Queen Elizabeth and he had to go visit and something crazy like that so I thought it was really bomb so I did have a chance to um to really oh wait the video the video that he um he talked about 
so I did had a chance to attend his presentation and it was really great because his presentation really talked about everything we want to maybe be aware of um, from this industry at this time. So he talked about different identity solution. He talked about the state of CTV. He talked about, you know, measurement and data clean rooms. We will talk about, we'll, we'll talk next in a hot second here after this. And he mentioned how some of the initiatives included, you know, the Trigdis Unified ID 2.0, Live Ramps Ramp ID. And then there were other leading cookie alternatives like the Google Privacy Sandbox, New Star fabric ID, which I was not aware, Yahoo Connected ID, and Apple SCAD Networks, uh, according to the advertiser perception, of course. And I thought that was really great that he shared this because those were the, you know, it's one of those things like you don't always pay attention to it um, on a daily basis because you're like, oh, more, more things are coming out or, you know, we're going to hear more more about this or more about that and so here's what i really want to refer to and all of this i are is on my twitter and you can easily find it right now it's not like i tweet every day uh like i said but i want to highlight what he said uh one of his slides said what to expect especially with id uh cookie deprecation so what to expect in the next 18 to 24 months and here's why i really want you to to hear this because it's super important um is like continued industry consolidation especially amongst ad tech and intermediaries so we've seen a lot of merging emergence across ad tech companies emerging between ad techs i mean the most recent was um outside of elon musk is that really emergence can we count that as ad tech i don't know but the most recent was uh microsoft i believe and um Criteo. so so there's a lot happening and they're consolidating for a reason. So pay attention to those. Make sure you, you pay some attention to this at least. Um, an intense focus on collecting and harnessing first party data. We'll talk about data clean rooms in a hot second. Renewed interest in contextual advertising. This was a conversation that was super sexy at Progio in New York, how contextual advertising had uh, a forefront or was one of those tactics that advertisers were looking to invest in, in replacement of cookies. But again, it shouldn't replace, nothing can really replace it. It should be a complement or it should be a new test into your strategy and contextual advertising needs to be one of them. One of them again, okay? Uh, potential deprecation of IP addresses, like, okay? Experiment, experimentation uh, with industry initiatives and in-house solutions. So we're going to keep seeing a lot of these coming up. And I thought I, I, that thought that was nice for to see that, oh, okay, so that's going to be really cool. And also, I love how we say like, anyone that is selling anything is getting into the ad business. <laughs> and that was in reference to Marriott, of course. Um, so that was really cool. Um, again, I'm a big fan of Paul Verna. For, for many reasons, okay, for many reasons. But now let's talk about a special um, presentation I attended. It was led by Ari Paparo and uh, Lauren Wetzel from InfoSum and then from Katie Cohen, Co Coglin, I'm sorry, Katie, from NBC Universal. And they basically talked about data clean, oop, almost dropped my phone. Uh, they talked about data clean room. So honestly, I know about data clean room, but I, I don't know a lot about it. So bear with me as I am learning and discovering exactly how to best educate about data clean room. So I found an article, which is going to be in the description. This article was not mentioned in Projo, but I, I thought it, it explained really well what it is. So according to measured, 
Com. And the author is, shout out to Madan Bahwadi, bah, sorry, Bahwadwaj, Bahwadwaj. Um, and he defined Data Clean Room as a secure, protected environment where PII, personally identifiable information, is anonymized, processed, and stored to be made available for measurement or data transformation in a privacy compliant, compliant way. The raw PII is made available to the brand and is only viewable by the brand. So the, this, this information is the consumer's information that is consented and captured by the brand. And so long story short, the way clean room works, and again, I'll go back to Prozure in a hot time, but if you're not familiar with data clean rooms, I, I suggest you just pay attention for a hot second here, because I think that's the biggest thing that that is a great way to illustrate what data clean rooms are. Okay, so all the user level first party data is loaded from the CRM uh, system. Um, and then are loaded into the secure environment and any other data, including historical or current transaction data can be available into the clean room environment. Um, now those PII data sent to the data clean is hashed for transmission, okay? And once it, it's entered in the clean room, it is secured and encrypted, protected uh, from unauthorized access. So only brands that capture that data have access to it. So the brands have full control over the clean room. That's what is consented. And while partners, uh, while the, their partners, like let's say if you work with DSP, CDP, can get a feed of those hash BII data as an output, okay? So the biggest thing is that um, the benefit of a clean room is really that it's it really arming the brands to utilize those those first party data, I'm gonna call it first party data in the best way. And the best use case of the data clean room, and that's how I'll end with this, is um, anonymizing user level PII data that can be used for measurement, automation for upload of upline data to publishers like, okay, over here it says like face, Facebook um, for matchback, but in the trade, you know, in the, um, in the programmatic world, it's beyond Facebook. User level analysis of customers, including LTV, uh, lifelong um, lifetime value reporting, cohort level analysis, building privacy compliance, okay? For like, so for regulation like CCPA, CPRA and GDPR. So data clean rooms, clean rooms are mostly popular with really, really, uh, for bigger brands. Um, I don't think it makes a lot of sense yet for smaller mom and pop shops because of the amount of data you will need to process through those uh, clean rooms, or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe anybody can have access to clean room. So if you're listening to this and you have the answer, shout me out, educate the rest of the industry, educate the rest of the listeners by tagging me and then sharing this uh, podcast uh, with them. So one thing that Katie said is that in our probably in inner operability <laughs> is used everywhere, especially with data clean rooms. So collaborating with first party data set is our value proposition says Katie. And then she said, um, and uh, Katie is an InfoSum. So InfoSum was Lauren. Okay, so Lauren also added that the biggest thing that they foresee is the standardization of clean rooms because everyone is trying to figure it out. So eventually we're gonna be, we're gonna talk about standardizing how data clean rooms operates and how I guess um, those those 
how it operates at this point. Um, but the reason why I'm mentioning what Lauren said is because this is really, this like is almost not a surprise. Everything in our industry needs to be standardized. Everybody has standardized their own shit and we don't know what it is. Nobody is communicating. Like it feels like everything is so fragmented right now. And yes, cookie deprecation may have really, I'm not going to use the word F, but F'd up a lot of things for a lot of measurement solutions that we were working on uh, prior to cookie deprecation announcement. But the reality is that standardization is still so needed and it's still an issue, but not only for data clean room, for CTV, as I talked about, CTV OTT, and then also for anything within your programmatic activation, which I'll talk about in a hot second. So... Um, so Ari Papar, shout out to you for all the great questions. But so he asked, like, should we pay attention? What should we pay attention to um, as marketers? And it seems like transparency is super important, but it's not always offered. So you got to really ask what's under the hood. And that's what I always teach any students that works with me, any traders that work with me. You have the right to understand how the technology works. And if you, the partner that you're working with is not open, transparent to teaching you that, I will push for it. I will push the envelope. I will push for it. You have the right to understanding what's under the hood if you're going to spend your money, okay, or your brand's money at this point. So make sure you you push this for with your your um your partners okay let me keep scrolling here really quick all right um the the, 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 the last thing i'll say about uh data clean rooms is that it seems like it is a super needed technology and um it could be a very great complement to cdps or cdps are still relevant and that's from um katie both katie and lauren agree but the other part of it is like your stacks, the stacks that you can look into. So data clean room, clean rooms are only one of the things you need to pay attention to. You have to focus on the stacks that accompany Like you have to get knowledgeable about everything in the industry, but also in, within the technology. So I thought that was really bomb because that's basically the, <laughs> what I preach, right? You got to keep getting knowledgeable. You got to keep asking those questions. You got to be aware of, what's happening under the hood i feel like i've said that multiple times and if it was a drinking game you'll probably be drunk by now but you gotta ask those questions and figure out what's under the hood um bah, 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 bah. yeah oh oh katie said it's not tw 2012 where we just poured ad budget to our agency not understanding where and how it's spent like data clean rooms actually offer great transparency and in, into how we measure every single dollars that spend into our media into our ad space so it is really important, but again, I don't know how relevant this is for, um, you know, smaller, smaller brands. So honorary shout out before we go into programmatic activation, shout out to um, Jones Media and William Sonoma for their presentation. I was in the air when, uh, unfortunately, I was in the air, uh, so I missed the presentation, but shout out to that because I only heard, like, it was almost like, from all the great things I heard from the presentation, it gave me major FOMO, uh, but I'm not surprised. Chris, Chris Kane is really good at presenting and also really educating. I'm a big fan of Chris Kane, shout out to you. And I wanna give a shout out to Scott Messer who tweeted that SPO done right is highly rewarding hard, hard work. 
Um, believe in quality supply and focus on good ROI. First, isolate the pipes and then find the sellers who work well for you. So kudos. And then he says kudos to William and Cinema with John's Media for proving that theory for others to follow. Listen, listen, Tani. I am a big believer that SPO is not only should not only done by the publisher side, but also by the buy side. And as you know, or you may not know yet, but my experience is 100% of buy side. So I've worked a lot with agencies and now I work on training their people on how to do programmatic activation the best way they can. And so part of that training that I spend time with all the consulting I provide is simply literally spending a couple hours sometimes, even more um, about how to best implement SPO for that partner, for that agency client or for that brand client, literally. And what that means is that just training people within the industry from top to bottom or left to right on what to understand what supply path optimization is, why it's so important to have supply path. And now how important it is even more important now that we know that we can, it can, um, support a more sustainable ecosystem in our programmatic advertising industry. So I'm a big believer that SPO done right is high, it's, it's rewarding work. I'm a big believer that we don't need to work with all of our partners out there, all of our supply partners. If that doesn't work, cut them off. You've heard me say that a long time, a lot of time. So I want to give Scott a special, special shout out because I thought that was really great that he said that and we just reaffirm, you know, my mission and the, the vision that I have for the people I work with. Um, Arnery mentioned um, also for Jessica Bealey, um, she's actually a lawyer and she had a presentation talking about, uh, privacy enhancing technology. So Jessica also accepted to come on the podcast. So I will have more on that later. I want to give a shout out to Gavin Dunaway from, um, from Media Trust, um, which is, uh, he's probably like a, a, a Twitter, Twitter friend slash now great friend. Um, so shout out to his content. If you don't follow him, go follow him because like he has a lot of great content on his Twitter. Another and last, um, honorable mention is Theron Oliphant, um, who talked, um, from Essence, who had a presentation that I'm, I'm so I'm, unfortunately missed. But his presentation, I've heard a lot and gave me major FOMO. Now let's talk about programmatic activation, um, which is one of the presentation I held, but also want to talk about the importance of measurement. So Tony Marlowe from Integral Ad Science did talk a lot about measurement, but his presentation was pretty dope. Why? Because it also gave us some really important stats about the consumer and the audience that we target. Um, so shout out to Tony Marlowe and IAS for always bringing in some stats and, um, and, um, so yeah. Okay, cool. So let's talk about, oh yeah, here's a last, uh, here's something I want to share from Tony's, um, presentation about contextual targeting because it's IAS, Integral Ad Science. A contextual relevant ads are more favorable and memorable to consumers. So 56% of consumers have more favorable opinion about a brand with contextually relevant ads. 60% of consumers are likely to remember a contextually relevant ad. So that those stats were like mind blowing for me because um, we know that programmatic advertising, the beauty of the technology and the pipes, targeting pipes that we have access to is the fact that now we can just target behaviorally, right? Whether it's 
cookie based or non cookie based, we can target behaviorally. So the person may be consuming content that has nothing to do with your brands, but because they've expressed online um, interest or considering uh, our brands or considering our services, we know that for a fact because of the measurement capabilities we have, then we target them where they are. But this stats is basically saying like, hey, by the way, behavioral targeting may be working, but contextual targeting works really favorable from a consumer perspective. So the consumer that's reading about beer may more likely be um, uh, open to, I don't know, a Bacardi, I don't know, I just said that, but a Bacardi ad because they're contextually reading about best recipes to, to try this summer during your summer cookouts. You know what I mean? So that was really great. And also it reaffirms what, you know, everybody else has been saying in the industry, including what I said about Paul Werner's um, industry takeaways, which is contextual targeting is really important and is something you should be testing. So it is a great strategy. IAS have the stats, reach out to IAS for additional research. I mean, I'm sure they'll love to share. I actually asked Tony, to share some of the research with me and he's like he he will send it to me but he basically said like you know all of this information is already out of the website um if you don't want to wait for me to send it so check out their website it's probably in a white paper or a blog it's probably super easy to find it integral ad science okay yeah let's finish up with programmatic advertising here's another honorable mention um Programmatic activation, sorry. Uh, oh, Frank McGuire, shout out to Frank McGuire, um, who was also a, um, he was also a uh, guest on the podcast and he talked about consumer behavior with CTV. And again, the biggest thing about CTVs is that you gotta use your current research and measure, right? But also you gotta um, be open-minded to adapting new strategies. And some of the research he shared was, um, that, you know, things as easy as like most consumers don't really listen to the audio of a video. They'll read the caption before they click on that video and hear the, the sound because most likely they are at work or it's early in the morning and their loved ones or their partners are sleeping <laughs> and they don't want to wake them up. So I would, you know, I would really and strongly recommend that you refer to that episode. I'll leave it in the show notes, but I also share some of the research he shared. Those research are also on ShareThrough's website. So you can access this as well. But the reason why I'm really encouraging you to step out and go read those researches because it gives you additional perspective that you can use in your day-to-day -day job, whether you're a trader, whether you're account manager. The more information you're able to tell your clients about the type of consumers they're looking to target, the better it is for us. And also as marketers, we tend to focus, especially in the programmatic advertising world, we tend to focus a lot on the DSP and the technologies. And we forget that the end user is the consumer as that's who we should really keep as a for in the forefront. And again, if you didn't hear the last two years during COVID, the consumer really reminded us of that. So I encourage you to go and look for those research. I will try to share them on my social media and on LinkedIn in the next few days after this podcast is live. But I encourage you to go and read those research because you we need this type of education. And knowing our consumers can help also knowing what type of measurement we want to continue doing or want to need to start doing. So let's talk about programmatic activation. If you don't know what programmatic activation is or you're 
may be confused about what it is. Programmatic activation is the procedures and processes you need to activate media, to launch a campaign, to start spending that money, that ad spend using programmatic advertising technology or just in general advertising technologies, okay? So that's what programmatic activation is. And in layman's word, if I had to explain Linda, my niece Linda, who's nine now, apparently she was not seven anymore. She keeps growing up. <laughs> I guess there's a birthday happening every year now. Um, but if I had to explain to Linda what programmatic activation is, is simply um, everything we need to do and know in order to launch a new ad campaign or to start an ad campaign. And that includes all the people that are involved, all the technology involved, and also all the processes involved. So now I just gave you the answer there. If you had to stop the podcast here, this is what you want to remember about programmatic activation. And I try to be really, really um, concise <laughs> because it is something I do on a daily basis and I'm very passionate about, but I'll leave you with this. The new fundamentals of programmatic activation is simply the people, the platform, the process, and the people. Um, we forget all the other tools. We tend to forget the people and the processes. We tend to prioritize the, pro the platform. And what I mean by the platform is like, obviously in the programmatic world, we use a DSP to place our media. And so we put a lot of focus on which DSP to use, how many DSP to use, and we tend to forget about the processes that are going to need, be needed to really have a successful launch by the people that you're going to hire you to activate. So the major, the major person here involved in the activation is um, the programmatic media ninja. It could be a, a lead, it could be a strategist, it could be a, a trader, whoever sets up the DSP and run the campaign, turn it on and off and set it up and monitor, and monitor uh, performance and then optimize based on those performance. That's the main, that's who I'm calling the programmatic ninja um, that's you know, uh, taking care of the activation. So part of the presentation I have was simply just walking through demystifying some of those myths by really redefining what it is. And so <clears throat> when you look at your platform, a lot of questions that I'm being asked is like how many DSP you have. But remember the most media answer is <laughs> it really depends on your goal. It depends on your objectives. What are you trying to accomplish for your clients? Are you looking for a DSP that is convenient, that allows you to reach as much target targeting capability, that allows you to have as much targeting capabilities that allows you to be very efficient in your creative upload and accessing uh, private deals and accessing OTT inventory? Or are you really just looking for something that can be very well measured, like measurable, and maybe you're only focusing on proximity targeting, like something like geofencing. Maybe you only wanna consider Simplify versus a trade desk in this situation. Or maybe you wanna consider S, 4M, which is a mobile partner that is based in, uh, well, they're, they started in France, <clears throat> but they're, they're a global brand. They're, they have office and, and people here all across the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, but the reason why I'm mentioning S4M is like maybe you all have a global brand and you have to be GDR compliant. So it's important to work with somebody that is GDR compliant and not saying that Simplify isn't, but it's just a way for you to step outside the box, step outside of the US borders and really start working with some of those global partners that you know may be more expert at some of those things, especially when it comes to privacy uh, compliance technologies. 
So let's get back into activation. So the biggest thing about the platform is simply understanding what you're trying to accomplish, understanding all of the capabilities that platform gives you and assessing based on cost, based on the support team, based on, you know, multiple things. The second thing I'll say is like the process is really the unsexy part of this conversation. Processes can be anywhere by implementing um, a pre-launch checklist. It could be literally a Word doc. It could be an Excel doc. My, my preference is Excel doc because I'm an Excel gal. Um, but it's basically what are the standard documents you need to create or update or implement to help the team use the platform efficiently. What I mean by efficiently is like with the less amount of time, using the less amount of time and the less amount and the less amount of resources. That's what efficiency and effectiveness is all about. And processes, standardizing processes to some of us might be really boring because it's the same thing all the time, but to a trader that has responsibilities in the DSP, in the pitching process, in the reporting process, being pulled, constantly into meetings, um, not enough time for them to optimize, not even enough time to implement SPO. It is really, really important to implement those standard documented. And literally every time I work with a, either actually for both brand clients that I work with and for agency clients that I work with, every time we've implemented something as easy as a media map, which is a document where you have all of the campaign's parameters, like start day, who the who the brand is, their website, who's going to be reporting, how are we reporting, how much budget, things like that. But the media map is that centered uh, document, that centralized document where you have all this information. Literally, it saves those clients 30 to 50 percent time on how fast they were able to implement um activate the campaign excuse me and also with almost zero human error yes zero human error okay that is super important we're just human we're not we're not we're not robots here so we need we need standards to help us really get ahead of those human errors that are created by a lack of time a lack of support and a lack of encouragement a lack of training okay so processes are super important I'm happy to walk you through it. I have a lot of uh, standardized process documents um, that I use with my clients and I customize or update based on their needs. So some media maps have literally 10 tabs, right? Because it's Excel sheet, they have 10 tabs. One tab for calendar, one tab for reporting analytics, one tab for the QA stuff. And some of the clients I work with only needed like I think three, three was the, the, the smallest media map they needed because of the type of client they had. It was really niche. That's all they needed. That's all they want. But I already did the hard work for you. So if you're interested, reach out to me or email me or, you know, um, or tweet me, tweet at me, do whatever you want to do. It's easy to reach out to me. I'm very responsive. The last thing I'll say is that one of the things we don't always focus on when it comes to programmatic activation is the people. Yeah. Yeah, you heard me right, the people. Um, the reason why I want to briefly mention uh, the people before we end the, the podcast here is because, because this is such a heavy tech industry, because everything is in real time, right, um, to some extent, um, we, we tend to only focus at the beginning and forget how to continue growing that person. 
So programmatic activation is a great starting entry level type of position in our industry, let's be honest. Now you might be thinking, well, um, I can hire somebody entry level to manage my multi six figure brand campaigns. Um, it's multiple strategies and multiple campaign, multiple ad groups. That's going to be too much for them. You're right. You're right. But the reality is that um, you can train somebody with no experience in the marketing field to get started, at least for some of those accounts. And eventually they need to dab into those larger accounts to continue developing their skill set. So part of what I, I talked about was how to hire, how to hire based on certain level, like the most common skill set that I come across, but also as a former trader and still come trading on the side, what type of skill set you need to know to, to have in those individual right away. Another thing we talk about is like retention, like the onboarding process helps with the retention. And I talked about in the presentation, I talked about a lot of Lorman's um, stats, okay? Lorman is the online education um, platform. So some of the stats, um, so 70% of employees would be somewhat likely to leave their current job to work for an organization known for investing in employee development program, uh, development and learning. Um, another one that was really crazy is that retention rate wise, 30 to 50% for companies with strong learning culture. Um, something that I want to leave you with is that 74% of surveyed employees feel they aren't reaching full potential at work due to lack of development opportunities. And I want to bring you another stats that in talking with my clients, I talk to a lot of traders on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Um, I won't reveal my sources, but I know for a fact that most traders or anybody in AdOps, for instance, people that are really involved in the activation process of launching a campaign, reporting on a campaign, anything that has to be the pre-management the pre of that activation process, I'd say, including they average 12, I think, to 18 months in that position for that for that company. Why? It's because the first six months are great because that's the learning process. A lot of companies really uh, spend time training and then after that, that's it, you know? Um, so most of the retention program that I help my clients implement include anything like even um, a mentorship program um, so that the person that is freshly hired or have been hired in the last three months is able to talk to somebody within their department, whether it's in another team or in a different department, like talk to somebody in accounting, talk to somebody in account management, talk to somebody in creative. You never know. You want to help that person understand that this might be a starting job, but they, nobody likes to do the same thing for too long forever. Like, let's be honest. Okay. If you are Cool, great for you. I can I can almost argue that there's always something that is going to push you to do differently, even if it's the same routine, like brushing your teeth or something. Okay. <laughs> so so really consider adding retention, retention focused program. And it starts with the hiring process and start with the onboarding. And it can be as simply as those mentoring programs, but also it could be as simply as really defining a clear path a clear timeline for those people to let them know like, hey, you started here, but once you get to this point, you can go here, 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 okay? And stick to it, stick to it. Give them the opportunity to tell you and listen. And this is something my friend Tasha Salsa, um, programmatic expert, that's what she recommended is that 
if you want to do this thing, you gotta, as a, in leadership, you gotta, you gotta make sure that you, you listen to those, those signs, to the, see those signs. So it's not just like a set and forget it type of thing. Okay. Um, and so I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with this, um, doctor. I'm, I'm not, it's not a doctor. Who is he? Bridswell. Um, yeah, Mr. Brid, Bridwell, Mr. Bridwell from Clifford, the big red dog. Mr. Bridwell said, um, and I'm quoting, just because you're a loss, it doesn't have, it doesn't mean you're any less of a treasure. And I want to leave you with this because I know I just vomited a lot of information and especially in the last maybe 10 minutes when we started talking about programmatic activation. So I'm running a special and this is a shameless plug. If you hear, if you've heard anything on this podcast, I was like, dang, I might need help. In the description of this podcast, there's a link for you to schedule a call with me for free, y'all. It's free where we can talk about it. And you know what? I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis from really large media holding companies to smaller, small, medium-sized um, agency style and brands. And all of them have said that just by taking the consultation uh, call with me, they were able to implement something and they saw drastic changes right away. Like when I say drastic changes, it's like literally here's this that you want to implement today and tomorrow every single uh, results you'll get or transformation can include this. So I encourage you to do this. And I'm also I'm also running a couple special. If you want to learn more and level up your programmatic activation, I strongly recommend that you book the call um, for the next uh, for the next month because it's June. Again, June is my birthday month. I'm running a special. I want to offer you something that we call a VIP day, which is I spend a whole day with you. Okay. A whole day is like four to six hours where we go through that main point. If you want, if you're in need of process uh, consulting and you're like, yo, how can we better uh, our process, internal processes? How can we define an internal workflow? Literally, I have this super fun game where I actually shared that at the, uh, the presentation. That was a million dollar share too, where I encourage every single team I work with, I do something that we call an inter internal workflow game. Yes, it's super sexy. <laughs> it's such a sexy name, right? And I encourage everybody to grab a couple sticky notes. And on each sticky notes, one sticky note, they write with one word what they do one word that's all we need is we don't need a novel some people cheat and write too but that's okay as long as it's at least one word um and then the second sticky note the biggest struggle they face on a daily basis when in their job and you you will be surprised how many people write communication how many people write things like um uh centralized database and what they mean by that is like they find they spend almost so much time looking for stuff okay and that was one of the stats that I actually shared during the presentation is that most employees spend up to 30 percent of their day looking for information like scouring in companies database about information that also includes emails and if you're a trader if you work in the activation space like you can you can attest to that you spend a lot of time looking for shit when, during the, the activation of a campaign. And that's, that's crazy. Um, I did the math, just in case you want to know how much 30% of a day is, is uh, for somebody that averaged 10 hours, don't play me, most of us do, it's three hours, three hours that they spend um, 
yes, it's three hours that they spend looking for stuff. It might not be three consecutive hours, but like throughout the day, out of the 10 hours, they're looking for that information. So how do you reduce those three hours to almost none? It's by implementing and standardizing processes. So I can help with that. I can also help with recruitment or at least coming up with the best way to recruit and where to recruit them because I have a community of ninjas that follow me. And then lastly, if you are using a DSP, you're not sure about the DSP or if let's say you have a really strong team and you really want to um, give them the power of... of um, of leveling up their skill set, I can train them on how to best optimize. That's actually one of my specialty. I'm super proud of that. I've came up with a, a um, acronym campaign, okay, where they will be on this, they could they will understand how and where to look for um, things to optimize efficiently. And I actually the first thing I teach everyone I work with about optimization is how to optimize um, when you only have 15 minutes or less. That is so important. And yes, yes, I can teach you how to optimize in 15 minutes or less. So reach out to me. My email is info at helenparker.com. In the description of this, this podcast, this article on YouTube, wherever you're streaming right now, I have the calendar, the, the calendar link, it's a Dubsado link, where you can book 30 minutes for free when we can talk specifically about programmatic activation, and then you can book an, a day with me, literally um, a day with me to spend on any of those three things when it comes to programmatic activation, we can focus on people, we can focus on the process, or we can focus on the platform. So thank you again for tuning in. I'm super excited about um, sharing this with you. I will have a written version of what we just discussed in this week's newsletter. So if you don't, you don't have um, my newsletter yet, you can do it via LinkedIn, or you can do it via, again, it's in the description or on the website, you can go on the website and sign up for the newsletter. I only email you once a week or every two weeks, okay? Don't play me, I'm not like that. Um, and then of course, if you found that this was helpful, I would really appreciate a review on Apple iTunes. I would appreciate a share, a comment. Y'all, um, I am a small business owner, so any help with my visibility is really, really appreciated. So it's June, it's my birthday month, it's Pride Month, it's, it's um Infertility Awareness Month is um, the month where we celebrate Juneteenth. It is, again, my birthday month because I love to say it. <laughs> so I wish you a happy week. I'm here to help you. It was a lot of information. I agree. But just know that you only have to implement one new thing that you hear, heard, okay? That's my challenge to you. Only focus on one thing and go all the way with it. And then focus on another one thing and go all the way with it until you're comfortable enough to teach you teach it to my niece Linda who's now nine or to another seven-year-old to come across okay so I love you I appreciate your support I had a lot of fun at programmatic IO again um, strongly recommend conferences I will be checking out potentially Demesco and uh, one of the DJ Day this year again and most likely will return to Projo in October so shout out to Ad Exchanger again for entrusting me for this presentation y'all are amazing like it was so much fun always always a pleasure to be part of the industry i mean a part of everybody in the industry so love y'all make it a great day i appreciate you and now i'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up.